Hello, welcome to From the Rookery End. My name is John. Uh, with me on this Monday evening is uh, Mike. Hello. I'm feeling a bit Monday-ish as well, to be honest. Well, it, it was it was a 4-3 uh, defeat um, at uh, the weekend against Southampton, which was which actually every time I, I think about that scoreline and what that game must have been like if I'm not a Watford fan or a Southampton fan or not been at the game, uh, what you think that game must have been like? Magical, brilliant, but it it was, and we'll we'll get to that in a minute with uh, with with uh, with Jason, uh, Mike. Um, we're going to speak to you about uh, a tweet that you sent out um, just on Saturday evening. Um, what did that tweet say? The tweet said this. Boil down, my question is this. After less than two seasons in the Premier League, what is the genuine expectation from Watford Football Club? We'll discuss that a bit later on. You have a think about that. So, uh, Jason and I uh, met up after the game on Saturday to talk through the ins and the outs of what was a seven-goal game of football. <laughs> Let's start the first half. 2-1 at half-time, and it felt like that, that was where the game was going to finish, but, but the first goal, terrific, reactive. I, I think more, out of all the goals that Troy scored recently, that goal feels like that is a striker who's back confident, who is taking a ball that's an opportunity and taking it. Yeah, it did sort of come out of nothing. The game hadn't really settled down. Um, it came from a sort of seconds after a, after a long throw, and it was, it was instinct, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a striker reacting quickly to a, a difficult ball um, and then putting it somewhere where the keeper couldn't get it right in the far corner he took it well took it like a Premier League striker um, second goal there's two words I don't want to use I don't want to say the word mistake from our defence it quite feel like a full on mistake it felt like no one was able to clear it properly but it was a poke and that poke just went in the wrong place it was a bit of panic I think what Southampton were doing they were they were attacking us quickly. They were typical sort of a wayside setup. They were going on the counter attack and they did it well. They broke quickly, and that caused panic in our defence. And the first ball into the box was causing panic. You can see two or three defenders all trying to converge onto the ball. Gomez trying to converge onto the ball, and it just meant we panicked. And so the clearance wasn't executed properly. Straight to their uh, number eleven Tadic, who finished again like Troy did, put it where the keeper couldn't get it. Their second goal, though, I don't want you to talk about this as a Watford fan, Jason. I want you to think about this as a Southampton fan. You're looking at that goal. How are you thinking about your team, Southampton, scoring a goal? A well-worked goal. It was, I talked about them counter-attacking, and what they did well was finding the spaces that we were leaving behind when we were attacking. And they did that a couple of times. They got the ball down to the right-hand side. It was probably to Watford fans, it's obvious that out of our back four, Holobast was going to be the one that was going to push forward and leave the space. They exploited that, got the ball out wide. And then what they did was really well. Again, we were, our defenders came back. Um, and I think as a defender, you're sort of taught to defend in line when you're defending across, defending line where the ball is. Redmond's checked back. Everyone has, has gone. Redmond's checked back on the edge of the box. And he's put it, he's put it right in the corner. I don't want to use the words, put it where the key wouldn't get it again. But that was the best of the lot because he's put it right inside the post and gave Gomez no chance. But he, he almost like, um, for me, sums up what, what was great about that Southampton team was... He's quick. He's, he's quick, he's good on the ball, and as we saw twice today, unfortunately, he can finish. And he's definitely now, I think, he can, you can consider him to be a Premier League player because he's got a Premier League haircut. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he's, he's playing at being a Premier League player when he was at Norwich, but now you got the haircut, you're in the club. Um, the second half sort of come down. We, <clears throat> well, let, let, yeah. but, but, to, but to be two down, two on down, um, felt better than I thought we were going to be. Because when we saw that opening lineup, 
I did not expect this to be a classic Watford win. Anywhere long, it was. There were at least two players. Kabul shouldn't be playing, which he was playing, and Akaka, as we said on last week's podcast, doesn't seem to be. That isn't the position for him to play in that, that three up, up front. And even though we just got that goal and we were ahead for a little bit of time, it, it, it did turn out the way that sort of my, my, my nightmares had been imagined. Yeah, and we were sort of thinking four three three before the game, and it ended up being an even more square pegs into round holes type of formation because it looked like it was 4-4-2 with Niang playing right midfield and as we had Kabul playing right back and Kapu playing left wing and we saw it last year that doesn't suit him and he just didn't like it at all he had a poor game well there are many poor games in there and I know we we, we like like to make sure everyone knows this is hindsight we are talking off the game we do things differently but but what would you have done could you in that, that starting 11 done anything differently Anything at all? Our injuries. What, what we're, we're missing Zarati, Pereira. We're missing that sort of. Yeah. And again, I don't want to use. They, they are the ultimate creative and the only creativeness that we have in our team. But that sort of slightly freer one that we were missing him. We're missing that, and that's not coming back. That's gone for the rest of the season. What else could you have done? What else could you have done? I said it last week, and I think I'd have still done it this week. And I think Zuniga, in a in a right back, possibly. I think he'd have he'd have preferred that to Kabul. Kabul's done well. I think as defensively, but it's when he's got the ball at his feet that he's, is his weakness. And that showed again today. So there were times, what Southampton did really well as well, is that they'd put us under pressure. They were getting two men onto the ball carrier, knowing that we don't play quick tempo. They were able to get two men on the, uh, on, on the man with the ball and we'd lose it. And we were sort of forced back and back in sort of, and the ball would go back to Kabul and he wouldn't be put under as much pressure always reminded me of like, when teams played against us when Doyle was in the side and they'd <laughs> let him sort of have the ball a bit more time on the ball because they knew his distribution wasn't quite as good as the other, other players maybe Zuniga at right back and I think I don't think I'd have played I wouldn't have played 4-4-2 I'd have done something different with the front three what? I'd have had a Karka knowing now that success can't play 90 minutes well that's the thing that was the, the, the biggest thing that sort of shone from the, uh, the tweet I read yeah. in the pub before the game the fact that success didn't start was he isn't ready, or they don't believe him to be ready, uh, to become one. But interestingly, actually, when I was sat in the pub, I was to Ollie Wicken from Hornet Heaven. He said that football now and players now aren't necessarily just players. They are assets. And it really feels like the, the club are managing their asset. That is success. And that's why they're not going to give him that 90 minutes. So there's two bits. One, let's talk about when he came on. Was it a huge change or just a, a slight change? <laughs> somewhere in the middle probably it, w- it was big enough in that it gave us more attacking options and we saw where the goal came from him attacking down the left and getting the ball in quickly he didn't have to check back he didn't sort of hesitate didn't try and cut inside drove him out the left got the ball in because he knew that Akaka and Dini two strikers two strikers in the box there's a good chance you're going to find one of them and yeah the Akaka took his chance well I don't want to you know, really dwell on, the, on the, the last two goals from Southampton. One, Gomez, who, who had an amazing game, and easily Southampton could have been 4-1 up, uh, if not more, 5-6 maybe, uh, with, with the great uh, save, you know, saves he made. You, you can't say, those are difficult balls to save, aren't they? Made, yeah, there was probably one, one really good save I think he made, um, which would have made it 3-1. Um, I think you've probably given Southampton too much credit saying it'd be 5 or 6. I don't think they were that much better than us um, but yeah it's, 
it's a horror show from him. He won't like it. He won't be happy. He'll be the first one to put his hands up. Um, <laughs> perhaps we've got him up quicker. <laughs> so no, don't want to make that gag. Um, yeah, he'll be he'll be very very disappointed. And we know how good Gabby Adini's been for Southampton since he's joined them in January. So that that's a chance that he was going to snap up all day long. And the third one was what we were saying. Southampton a great counter-attacking speed, and they went for it with, with Watford pushing uh, pushing for a, a, a third. Um, to hopefully try and get the draw. Going back to success, we know what impact he did have coming on with 25 minutes to go, after finally coming on, by the way. Um, thanks, referee, for the delay. Do you think he could have made a big difference if he had come on or started the game? I must admit, I was sitting there thinking, why don't we give him a start? Why don't we give him a chance? If, he's, if, if there's a, a concern over his fitness, do you then run the risk of bringing him on and if he tyres quickly or if it's a, an injury concern that they've got that they're not telling us about is there the risk that he'd get injured and then you have to take him off again so why not try him from the start make him give his all and then bring on a player in the second half when he's when he's done in the other, the other argument for him starting is that if he's that good if we think he's good enough and Mazzari thinks he's good enough and it is just he can't last 90 minutes have him start and if him starting puts us in a stronger position when he's when he comes off then you can take him off and maybe you bring on a Decore or Zuniga to try and tighten things up because you're 2-0 up or whatever it, I'd, I'd like to see him get a start and even if he can't last 90 minutes I'd like to see him have a start and let's try and get ourselves in a strong position rather than having to try and fight back from behind Are we just missing that player that Pereira that, that Zerati Could you put your, your, your finger on anything James? They, we, we've talked about it before and we've talked to guys in the pub about this and, and they've sort of said it to us about what's the game plan and it's difficult to say and, and where what really sort of woke me up to con, concerning uh, as to whether we have got a game plan or not was the Millwall game where yes we made lots of changes changes that okay the, the lesser players coming in but players that were probably average championship players at worst up against the league one side you just didn't know what the game plan was. It, was. it was a different group of players, but we seem to be suffering the same problems, not creating chances, not really sure what we're meant to be doing. And that sort of made me think, OK, is it Matsari and his, and his game plan here that, that is the pro- lack of that's the problem? And then you bring, bring that back to today's game. And we've talked about Southampton already. Defensively, two men on our man with the ball. Attack-wise, counter-attack, quick counter-attack, quick tempo football exploit the spaces where that we'd left behind when we were attacking easy quite straightforward game plan for an away side for us again what was it was it long balls over the top for Dini or Karka to win for the other striker to to get if it if it was that Karka was not at the race's there because he was kept getting caught offside for those flick-ons um, Dini was not heading it to where Karka was when he was winning the headers what how were we using the Yang did we give him enough of the ball? Will we play to his strengths? I don't think we really did. I've, it's a struggle. I don't know what that what is that game plan. I, on the flip side of that, um, and we talk about the injuries. Yes, we have been unlucky with injuries, <coughs> and is is today just? Uh, I'm wondering if today is just a, a stopgap. We talked about Amrabat um, uh, during the game, John, and sort of asking when he's back. We think it might be in a couple of weeks. Has he got a plan in mind to bring Amrabat back into the side and then we'll set up slightly differently and look more like the side that we were against West Ham when with someone, maybe Amrabat or maybe one of the other guys playing the Zarate role. I'm, I'm still a little bit worried. I, 
it could quite easily unravel and fall apart if we're not careful. If Ararat comes back, everything will be fine, won't it? I Surely? Hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, you see him filling in, uh, you know, if we restart this game again, you see him uh, instead of uh, Kaka. Yes, I, I think so. Would that be playing him? Yeah, you have Niang and Dini as a two up front. Is he playing behind or is he playing play out wide? Or would you go your 4 3 3, have Dini at the front of the three, Niang in a more attacking position uh, on one side, and Amrabat attacking on the other side? You'd probably move Niang to the left, have him cutting in, and have Amrabat beating players on the outside down the right. Um, give Kapu a bit of licence to play behind uh, behind Dini and sort of attack from deep. Needs to play somewhere better. Uh, there's a point we today with Kapu, and I think this is the, the thing that's been growing for a while. But that little purple patch here at the beginning of the year, he sometimes plays like a desperate man to prove himself, and I think he's not being he's not being allowed to prove himself because he's not in the position. Which, in, which in, in many ways in modern day football, when someone says, yeah, but you know, he's, he's, he's not that sort of midfielder. Well, I, surely players should be able to play in a range of positions, not just, you know, go, go to go to left side and be their game fall apart. Um, <clears throat> let's go with starting 11 for the, you know, ideal starting 11. Because Yanmat was, was touch or go for today, so one assumes come the next game in two weeks' time, He'll be fit and ready. And then get injured again. And then get injured again. Amabat might be, be back as well for that game. What's your starting 11? Gomez and goal, who'd you back for? Jan Matt, Prudel, Kabul, Holobas. Hmm. Uh, in midfield? Barami, Cleverly, and Kapu. Oh, you're slightly hesitant. Slightly hesitant. You think Decore? I don't think at the beginning of the year Decore was going to be a starting player. I think he did get a lot of starts because of injuries. But I would like, once we get to 40 points, that if he is meant to be the future, that he starts starting a lot more games. And then, I'm guessing, Dini plus? Dini, Niang and Amrabat up front. Maybe uh, Amrabat won't be able to come in straight away. I can assume he might have to be off the bench a little bit. So maybe Akaka will start, but hopefully we'll see Amrabat get some get some get uh, get his legs running. He, he wouldn't have been missed, maybe, if Zerati had been fit. But I think we actually miss him in a, in, a, in a different way. We miss him in a way of his personality and that sort of uh, in what could be infectious. Yeah, I think he'd have probably got booked today if he'd have been there. Like, <laughs> he'd have been herring about the pitch and, and causing causing a, a, a nuisance. But that's good. That's what that's what you need up front. Akaka was kind of doing it today, but in a bit too stroppy a way, I think. Yeah, uh, quite a stroppy fellow, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. yeah which well, is, right, when I met him, he's not on the pitch. He looks stroppy. Good. That's all right. Then that's all right. Then. And he's and he's not as big as we think he is either. That 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 photo that's out there. If you haven't seen it, have a look on Twitter. Um, you are the big man, John. Well, height-wise, I think he's a little bit stockier than me. Um, well, stockier in uh, maybe in his, his muscles rather than his gut. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin. He has a son called Arlo. And this is our weekly feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to once again welcome to Michael Parkinson, Arlo Parkin. Hi, Arlo. How are you? Good. Now then, Watford lost at the weekend, 4-3, and there were seven goals in, in that game. It's quite exciting, but would you rather see more goals in a game and Watford not win, or less goals in a game and Watford win? Which is more important? Less, because um, Southampton are quite good and Watford aren't that good. What on earth do you mean Watford aren't that good? Oh, well, they did play very good versus Liverpool. 
But when they lost 6 1. Mm. Arlo, thanks very much for joining us. Bye. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Thank you very much, as always, for listening to From the Rookery End. Uh, and sorry, this is uh, slightly delayed. We always like to try and get the podcast out on a Monday, ready for your Monday morning commute, Monday morning run, Monday morning walking of the dog. Uh, so this is a special sorry to Sarah Ben, uh, who tweeted us today saying that we weren't there for her Monday morning dog walk. Sorry, Sarah, forgive us. I hope we've made up for it. We'll make this sort of 30 seconds longer than it would have been. So you're getting more, more podcasts for your weight. <laughs> not your weight as in your physical weight the weight as in the time weight of course oh god I think I'll be quiet I hope you're enjoying your dog walk Sarah sorry we're late um, remember you can uh, do tweet us uh, at what for podcast uh, Instagram what for podcast uh, and also facebook.com forward slash what for podcast can you see what we've done with the consistency of our branding on social media yes get in um, Mike so let's, get, let's return to your question that you asked about what on earth do Watford fans expect um after two years in the Premier League. Because if I'm really honest, um, that game on Saturday, it wasn't pleasant to, to watch in many ways, apart from Troy's goal, which just seemed like Troy's back proper for me. Great goal. Yeah. yeah. As, as Jason said, you know, we've, we've spoken to people in the pub and they, they you know, for a long time they said, Walter out. Um, and when that happens, their ex- expectations aren't in, in place or they're not being met at least. Um, and there were a lot more fans in the rookery and the minute that fourth goal went in for Southampton, it emptied, which made getting out of the ground much nicer. But it, lots of people <laughs> left. So clearly lots of people's expectations aren't being met. But your question was about, well, what on earth should they be? What should they be? Well, it's more of a rhetorical question, really, because I'm sort of struggling with it, with it myself. I feel a little bit uncomfortable at the weight of um, the weight, not vitriol, that's the wrong word, but some quite heavy, um, critical sort of themed posts. And it's not just about Matsari necessarily. It's just about sort of the direction, the style of play and so on and so forth. And it just seems to be weighted very much towards the negative at the moment. And that kind of sits a little bit uncomfortably with me. And I say kind of because on the other hand, I totally understand where where these guys are coming from, where Watford supporters are coming from. You get humped 4-2 at home. No one likes to see that. And it's and it's the nature of the defeat. We weren't very good against West Ham either. Um, and we have struggled, really, for the for large swathes of the season. The football hasn't been great. Um, and, yeah, entertainment value has been fairly limited. But wasn't, however, that, yeah, wasn't that expected? However, yeah, we're sat 13th in the Premier League table. We wanted to get into the Premier League. Now... My main issue is this. I think everyone accepts that we're now playing in the Premier League, which is a tougher division. We're playing it. We played against Southampton at the weekend, who were cup finalists. I think by uh, everyone agrees that they were pretty unlucky not to win the not to win the AFL Cup against Manchester United on uh, the weekend before. And then this is Man United, a very different Man United to the team we beat. This is Man United in form. So. We're playing decent sides and we're playing sides that are a cut above anything we've played against for the last sort of since we were last in the Premier League, obviously. Um, and I think people accept that. I don't think people are daft. I don't think people are just expecting that we go rocketing up the table, do an 82-83, finish second and qualify of Europe. I know people aren't accepting that. So if there is that acceptance of the fact that this is a hard division... I, th- I personally think there should be a little bit more patience for getting it right. And that includes the style of play. That includes the um, getting the squad right. And that includes the results. So 
Right, we're 13th. And yes, I will accept that we're 13th, but it hasn't been great. We're 13th because we perhaps hit, hit played some teams at the right time and there's a lot of worse sides than us. Quite frankly, that's not our problem. That's not our fault. Um, so I, I just don't know what we should be expecting. I don't know what would make people happy at this stage. Um, well, I do know what would make me happy. I know what would make everyone happy. Good results and good performances week in, week out. What I don't understand is where that, you know, where that line is of a, a acceptance that this is a tricky project we're in the middle of. We're in sort of two-thirds of the way through our second season in the Premier League, whereby the first season was always going to be the the, the, the name of the game was going to be staying up. I thought the, the name of the game for this season should be staying up as well. The thing is, you have to look at how long a time frame a football fan is looking at that, like you said, look where we are, look where we were. And you're sort of looking mm. three years. And yeah. I certainly have, absolutely, the minute you look at that, um, you look at what we were playing against two years ago and then five years ago, and when we yeah. started this podcast seven years ago, you know, yeah. that was the first season we did. This was, was Malky Mackay's first, uh, second season. And, yeah. it, you know, we, we weren't storming anything and if we'd got into the playoff positions, it would have been not luck, but we would have scraped in there. Yeah. So when you look at it now, I can't disagree with it. But but I had expectations compared to last season for this year. And it wasn't anything to do with position. It wasn't anything to do with number of wins. It wasn't about winning 4-0, anything like that. It's a certain... It is, it is the judgment you have in, in when you see the performance of players mm. and the way that they're set up. And Jason talked about it, the fact that in that Millwall game, we didn't have a, a game plan or yeah. what is a Watford identity, let's say. That's how Watford play and that's how Watford you know, do their thing. And I know a big part of that has got to be the number of managers we've gone through and the fact mm. that they're not the same. It, you know What happened with Swansea when they came through the divisions and then established themselves as a Premier League side, was they increment, incrementally made their squad better and they kept an ethos and a manager they hired had a certain style that just kept that process growing. And I think my frustration, and it was my worry, the fact that we got rid of Kike and Walter came in, was that it was starting all over again. And we, we, I, we were, I was putting together the, the, from the recurring entry for the, um, uh, for the podcast, British Podcast Awards the other day. Um, and you listen to, I said, at the end of that, that game at Wembley against Crystal Palace, I, as a teacher, want my um, students to fail because that's where you learn. And I didn't want that failure to be lost um, and that's what the change in the manager sort of does for me. So my expectation was that we had a call from last year's Premier League. We've got a new manager who's, about to, who's going to make some changes. And we've got better players. But we aren't better. Well, you We're say, probably we had, the think, same. I, I don't think. think we've had access to better players throughout the course of the season. I, don't, I think I said in the last pod, I think we've played the same team twice in a row. And I think that probably still still rings true I think we still probably have only played the same starting 11 two games for the entire season and that tells that tells its own story so we talk talk about Pereira was is you know he didn't set the world on fire if we're honest 
Uh, but he came and he did give us a bit more creativity. He got injured. We brought Zarati in. He's injured as well. So I think there are mitigating circumstances. I'm by no means a, a Matsari apologist here. Um, mm. And I think it's interesting that, that you mentioned Kike. And I think it's important we don't rewrite history because after Christmas under Kike, it was dismal. It was the same as this. You know, it was really, really poor. Um, and there was no sort of... You know, no plan B. Everyone was worried about where the goals were coming from. We were letting them in and not scoring. So it's important to not to rewrite history and, and to accept that, that the second half of last season was poor as well. And there's a great, you know, Anthony Matthews, the editor of the Watford Observer, said he made the, he, he posted the stat earlier. So the comparison with 27 games uh, from last season, we've got six points fewer. We've let in four, uh, we've scored four more and let in 19 more. So that kind of tells the story. I think that's a fair way of looking at it is that is those sort of three stats tell you where we're at and yeah if you look at it like that we have regressed and I will totally agree that you know if I had to go pro or anti Walter Mazzari on right right here right now I'd say he's not the right man for the job and I would fully expect him not to be here next season that's my gut feeling now oh I fully um, expect him not to be here next season if if, if the Pozzos will act and on on the things that they see in the way they have in the past he he can't you know you I just have no expectations let's say of him not of him being here next year just have no expectations of it what no yeah, whatsoever yeah and and you know I, I I get you know after the Stoke game I was absolutely that was I think it was a Stoke game the performance was was lily livered and, and hopeless and I was I was as cross as anyone who's been um, you know, venting their spleen quite rightly on on Twitter you know and, and I, I'm trying to play a devil's advocate a bit here because I'm quite not quite sure where where I sit on it personally which is why I, I sent a tweet out and there was a great response and there was a and I must thank everyone because it was really articulate there was mm. a, loads of people Very came good. back to me and what and what is and emotions were running high after another poor performance so massive respect to 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 Watford fans and listeners of the podcast who were able to sort of get their thoughts across without you know your divvy and all that sort of stuff so it's a great it was a great debate but I'm sort of stuck in the in the middle I don't really know where I stand because I think the point I was trying to get across was yes at the moment it's not very good yes at the moment it's not very enjoyable yes it's likely that the manager will go yes it looks apparent that he's not the right man for the job but in the grand scheme of things we're looking at a very it's a, it's a microcosm of of Watford's um, history, if you like, and it, it, and it's a it's a it's hopefully it's a micro microcosm of of this journey we're on. Um, you know, you think about the middle season in the Championship under the Potsos, how quickly we've managed to forget that. But that was an awful season, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and but that's gone, and we've moved on, and all of a sudden we're up a we're up a level, uh, and we're operating in the in the division we wanted to. Do. So that's been compartmentalised, forgotten about, consigned to history. And ultimately, I believe that this bad run under Matsari, perhaps this season, perhaps half of last season, will ultimately be be consigned to history as well, because I think the the, the club is going in the right direction in terms of in terms of where we're going in the in the long term in terms of you know the future of the football club and i'm just a little bit surprised i think how quickly people have got upset not with the individual performances i get that and everyone has the right to stamp their feet into moan and groan after a, a, a poor performance and then if there's another poor, poor, poor performance it's even more frustrating and if there's another poor performance after that it's it's angry you know it makes you angry it ruins your weekend i'm totally on board with that anyone who knows me will know how aggro i am after after Watford have lost i hate it i can't stand it but it is these it's, we're <laughs> 
it's a it's a small section of what's happening at the moment, and I'm just a little bit surprised that a lot of you know a lot of the people that we know, a lot of the people we converse with have have watched Watford for a long time. They've seen Watford in the Championship for for ten years on end, and you know bungling along, sort of losing at home to 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 you know ten men and their dog. Um, and we put up with that seemingly a lot better than we're putting up with this sort of mediocre, sort of slightly uninspiring trot in the in the Premier League. Um, and I think that's the thing that that piqued my interest, if you like, into how people are responding. And I don't, I'll always remember, and I don't think we're, we're doing that, but I always remember when I think Ch- when Charlton got rid of Alan Kerbishley, I think they were seventh or eighth in the Premier League. Mm. And there's all this stuff about always oh, taken as as far as he can go. We need to move on to the next level. And all right, you can talk about being ambitious, but they were seventh in the Premier League and they got rid of ultimately yeah. one of the most successful managers in their history. And, you know, you don't need to, to tell, tell the story of, of, of what happened after that, you know. You know. So I, just, I think it's patience. I think I'm surprised at the lack of patience, given the, the sort of the style of football, the results, um, the success that Watford have had over the last 10, 20 years. I'm surprised how quickly a lot of people have... Um, got sort of really worked up. Yeah, worked up over the over the whole thing, not just the results. I can't. I don't know if I'm articulating myself well enough, but it's not just the run of bad, bad results. That is bad. That's annoying. Um, and I get why people. You know, you pay your money. You have every right to complain about the manager. You have every right to complain about the tactics. You have every right to complain about the how the players are playing, the formation, the substitutions. That's what being a football supporter is about. That's why we do it. That's why we do this podcast. That's why twenty thousand of us pay our, our money every week to go to the football. So I will defend to the death everyone's right to be grumpy and angry when we lose that's not I'm just a little bit surprised that bigger picture I think and I do wonder whether it's the the point you mentioned John whether it's the disposable nature of key staff at Watford we've got used to that very quickly it's like well this isn't working on to the next and there's almost an acceptance that there'll be a new head coach next year why can't it happen now and you know, there's a there's a there's a question over that. Why, if they if they are going to get rid of him next year, why why not why not do it now? But I just think, are we being patient enough? That's my question. I think. Okay. Well, let's see how patient we can be. The annoying thing is, it's going to just dwell on us for the next two weeks because it's a long time to the next game uh, away at Crystal Palace, uh, when Watford will <clears throat> well try and get a bit closer to that forty points. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe everything will calm down a little bit when we finally go past 40 points and know that... We need to. Well, yeah, and that might be the thing that sort of just chills everyone out a little bit because then we know we're definitely going to be in the Premier League for for another year where still we're doing all the maths um, with who's below us. We'll Don't see. get me wrong. I think I think people are are enjoying this Premier League ride. I think um, and um, Dan Harvey on on Twitter, uh, um, Harvey the Hornet. If you want to give him a follow, said um, I think he said we all love the club. We had a sort of bit of to and fro. It wasn't an mm. argument. It was an exchange of views. And he said we all love the club, Mike. And that's exactly right. Everyone wants the same thing. Where no matter how you articulate yourself, no matter how you act on the terraces, no matter what you say on Twitter or on Facebook, everyone wants the same thing for the football club. And um, I don't think there's anyone that isn't glad we're in the Premier League. And I don't think there's anyone sort of going, you know, having a, a meltdown that's, you know, completely unreasonable. Um, so I think it's important to to, to make that make that clear. Um, we're all enjoying it, but yeah, obviously <laughs> to different different degrees. 
Thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll be back in two weeks with another From the Rookery End. Uh, do tell your friends, of course, uh, if they're Watford fans and they like to listen to things. We're the perfect thing for you to listen to. Um, you can get us, as you might have done, on iTunes uh, or from therookeryend.com. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. You're welcome. Before we go, mm. we just talked about listening. I've seen a little bit of to and fro from supporters between um, guys in the 1881 and the yeah. rest of the ground as well recently. So, And a couple of people have been, not critical, but making the point that, that the 1881 haven't necessarily been heard around the ground and that they're a bit disappointed that they're the flags haven't been put out before the game. And I think the flags, the, the, the yellow wall that we've been created in the rookery end has been brilliant. But I think the point behind that is they're not really getting the support, A, to put them out before the game and B, getting them back again afterwards. I think people are nicking them um, and people just like to turn up, be part of that amazing atmosphere, but not necessarily put the effort in. So I would um, make a plea, if you do enjoy that, if you do enjoy the spectacle that the 1881 have done so well to create, be a part of it. You will be welcome, I think, to get there early and help help put the flags out and and do your bit because it doesn't it does take effort. It doesn't just happen. We've all enjoyed it. So, if you have got time to get there early, do so. I know they'd they'd be happy to hear. You can find the eighteen eighty one on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, you know where to find them. And also about the about the the noise in the ground as well. And I've heard a few people be critical about. Um, about the noise the 1881 have made and yep yeah, alright I understand the, the, the football is hardly scintillating and the results haven't been great but if you've got ideas if you've got song chants go for it go to them with them and, and let's see what we can do I think this needs to be the 1881 was hopefully always going to be the blue touch paper it was always going to be the starting, the starting of something and not everyone is going to sing all game every game but I think we have a responsibility to take the, that ground that groundwork they've done and run with it a little bit around the rest of the ground and, and try and be a little bit creative ourselves uh, and help those guys out because especially when the football isn't great, you know, I think the players have made it very, very clear that, that good atmosphere does help. Um, so, you know, let's see what we can do to, to help those guys out. So I have just seen a little bit of a few sort of uh, uh, a bit of friction between between the, the, the some of the other part people who sat in the other parts of the ground and those guys. And that's not that's not fair because they put a hell of a lot of work and a hell of a lot of effort. And I think if we want to enjoy a good atmosphere, we need to play a, a part as well. So um, if you've got any ideas for the 1881, I'd let them know if you can help them out with the with the flags, because I agree it, it makes an amazing spectacle. Then get down there to half an hour, an hour early, whatever you can do I know they'll appreciate it uh, the rest of the ground will appreciate it and ultimately uh, the players will appreciate it too so I said I was going to make a little point now I've gone off on one again as per <laughs> usual seven um, years in Mike it's what I expect absolutely yeah so there you go but yeah come on you on it's we're in the Premier League um, thanks again to everyone, for everyone on Twitter it's a great debate uh, let's get behind the Hornets win at Crystal Palace we're back on track you owns. <laughs>